Hello, everyone. This is Victor Jackson. Welcome to the Bible Centered Podcast. John chapter 20 and verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Verse 31, last scripture. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name I, I want to preach to you on this subject this morning the language of scars the language of scars can you lay your Bibles down let's close our eyes and lift up our hands let's ask God to speak to us Lord Jesus I thank you for each and every person here that has taken time out of their schedule to prioritize being in your presence and God, I'm asking for you to minister to them. I'm asking for your spirit to do something deep, do something profound, do something that helps and that, that strengthens your people. God, we just submit to your will. We know it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. And God, we thank you, Lord, that we have set a tone and an atmosphere of prayer this morning. And God, we feel the effects of that prayer. But God, let it continue to increase and let it continue to exceed our expectations. Let lives be changed by your power and by your might. And we know there's nothing that we can do without you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Can you clap your hands to the Lord? And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The language of scars. The first thing I would like to mention in this incredible text that we read, I want to give a backdrop into how God sees our pain. Pain is an incredible concept throughout scripture because 
There's something about pain that doesn't need words of expression. You can look into somebody's eyes and notice if they are in pain. You can look at how someone walks and notice if they are in pain. There's something about pain that has its own language, a language that many uh, doctors and researchers and scientists say that uh, 70% of our communication is nonverbal. And there's something about pain, whether it be physical pain or spiritual pain, emotional pain, whatever the pain is, that there is a communication that every human heart understands. When someone tells you that they're happy, but you look in their eyes, and what is communicated in their eyes doesn't agree with their words. And they say, I'm happy. They say, everything's good. They say, everything's okay. They say, I'm blessed. They say, there's, it's never been better. But something that God has put in the heart, a language that, that no other animal or creature uh, can understand other than humans, and that is a, a language uh, of pain that doesn't need to be communicated verbally but there's something in our hearts that we he has put in within every one of us that we can understand when somebody else is in pain after you go through a season of depression after after you go through anxiety after you have the battle with postpartum after you have the battle with betrayal now after you have overcome it what begins to happen is you can see if somebody else is dealing with that same thing they don't even have you don't even have to know them you don't even have to talk to them you can see in their position and you know they are dealing with the same thing that you dealt with and there's something powerful about pain because after you go through some type of pain you always come out with dominion over that pain my word where it it, it 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 could have killed you but now you come out with authority over it that depression could have took you out you had suicidal thoughts but after you survived the storm now you are equipped with dominion to not only tear it down in your life but now you have a prayer from your heart that has the ability to tear it down in somebody else's life that's what happened with David whenever he went and battled Goliath. When he went and battled Goliath and he ran and he walked into that battle with just a rock. And with one rock, with one stone, he killed Goliath. But after he, after he hit Goliath down, he didn't just want to win. He wanted to be more than a conqueror. So he took the sword out of the enemy's hand and he killed his enemy with his his enemy's sword. My goodness. You see, he had dominion over what he went through. See, we don't just win a battle, but we come out with new tools after the battle. We don't just win the war, but we come out with new weapons from the war. Why? Because we have learned to spoil the enemy. 
Now, with the enemy tried to defeat me with depression, but now I've got dominion over depression. So I'm taking the weapon out of the enemy's hand. And every soul that walks into the house of God that I can see depression in their eyes, I'm going to use that weapon and say, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I commend that depression to leave you right now. And I went through it as well a few years ago. And this thing is not going to destroy you. It's not going to kill you but you're gonna come out of it better and I have authority over that spirit that's been tormenting you and I'm commanding in the name of Jesus that you come out of that storm better than you went and I come out of it better there's something about pain that is communicated subtly what I love about God is that God understands this level of pain I think about in the Old Testament I'm building a case here I'm going to get there I'm excited today uh, I think about with Hagar whenever Hagar is pregnant uh, uh, with Ishmael and because she's pregnant with Ishmael she uh there's contention Sarah and and Hagar they're going at each other and Sarah's in the position of authority and so Hagar ran from Sarah and she was in the wilderness she had nothing to drink she was about to die and the Bible says that an angel came to her this is powerful to me an angel came to her and when this angel came to her he he said listen you're going to name this child Ishmael for the Lord has heard your affliction that lets me know that pain has a voice Pain has its own language. Said the Lord has heard your affliction. She never prayed, but pain spoke on her behalf. She didn't have a relationship with God, yet her scar said something. And even while she was by herself about to die from dehydration, The angel said, the Lord has heard your affliction. And that's encouraging to me because even when I don't know what to say to God, my pain prays on my behalf. And God doesn't wait for me to form the words with my mouth. No, he comes and visits where I am and he delivers me. I don't know what to say, God, but I'm dealing with something right now. Come on, somebody. And he doesn't wait for you to get it all together. He comes where you are. He doesn't wait for you to get the prayer language just right. Come on. He doesn't wait for you to get the vows and these just right. He doesn't wait until you read a whole chapter in the Bible or a whole uh, book in the Bible. No. When he sees his daughter in trouble, when he sees his son going through a situation, he does not, he does not, he does not just wait for you to say something because your scar is already saying something. So he said, I know they have been praying to me yet but I see them suffering right now and I'm going to heal and help them come out of this better and know their relationship with me may not be ideal right now but I'm not going to leave them into the hands of the devil I'm going to do whatever it takes to deliver and bring them out better than they win and I'm so thankful that a scar has its own language 
I'm so thankful that pain has its own language. And this woman, Hagar, she's an Egyptian. She is accustomed to worshiping false gods, but God could not ignore the sound of her pain. And I'm so thankful that even when I cannot form words, my tears talk. Y'all gonna throw me out of here this morning. Y'all, I'm so thankful that even when I can't form the words, just me walking a little slower into the house of God, God says, I see the pain and I'm going to comfort you to do something in you. Come on, even when you don't even feel like talking. Have you ever been through something where you don't even want to talk to nobody? You don't even want to laugh. You don't even want to pretend. You don't even want to fellowship. You just want to go home and go back under those covers and go to bed because you're still under the weight of depression. I'm so thankful that God doesn't pass me by and say, hey, when you're ready to pray, I'll help you. But all of a sudden, my pain begins to come to his ears and he says I got a word for you it has its own language and although God heard her affliction he did not understand her affliction because he's in heaven he is abstract he's in the heavenly of heavenlies He's being worshipped all day by angels. He's being worshipped all day by angels. He's walking. He's on the streets of gold. He's surrounded by the walls of Jasper. He's on the throne. He is being worshipped all day. All, not only all day 24-7, but all of eternity. And so although he heard her pain, he could not understand it. There's nothing that he could do about it apart from speaking this is this was the challenge in the old testament that god god was so great he was unrelatable he was so powerful that we had no access to him that he was so mighty that when I say I'm in tears, he's saying, huh? Because God never cried in the Old Testament. He never wept. We don't know what God's tears were like in the Old Testament because he didn't shed any. He was just a God of covenant, a God of laws, a God of obedience. But he could not relate to pain he could only hear it he just couldn't understand it so if i said god my leg hurts he's like oh well that's interesting be healed <laughs> whatever that feels like because in the old testament god could not relate to us in that way because he didn't have a body. He's a spirit. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. He is a, a spirit. And so people, he didn't understand the battle that these people were having with trying to obey him. He just gave the law and he expected them to obey. He didn't know what it felt like, the struggle of obedience. Until he was in the garden of Gethsemane. 
Jesus Christ, fully God and man. And he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That's God in the flesh having a challenge with obedience. Come on, somebody. Are you getting it? Because there's something about this is why he had to become flesh because it's the only way that he is relatable. He, he had to feel, I wanted him to feel what I felt. That's what the writer said, that he was a high priest that was able to be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You see, he couldn't feel us. He could only hear us in the Old Testament. He heard what we said, but he didn't feel what we said. Because he ain't been through nothing like that. He didn't know what anxiety felt like. He didn't know what depression felt like. He didn't know what, what pain felt like. He didn't know what that felt like. And so he could hear us, but he could not really understand our daily battle until he robed himself in flesh. The fullness of God came in the man Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. Born of the Virgin Mary, fully God and fully man. The God-man, the theanthropos. We needed his humanity to access his divinity we needed his humanity to access the miraculous we needed his humanity to tap into the kingdom and it was only him becoming flesh that you and I are able to be here today because his godness and his manness is what was needed to get us into deliverance because the bible says without the shedding of blood there can be no remission of sin and the Bible says that God purchased the church with his own blood. And so I'm so thankful for the New Testament because I'm seeing God in constant fights. Amen. That, that, that his godness did not negate fights. That, that helps me because that means no matter how spiritual I am, that doesn't mean that I won't ever be in some type of battle. That the battle is not a sign of my distance from God. Come on, somebody. That the battle is not a sign of my, my own depravity. Because Jesus, as a perfect man, was in a constant battle. I'm not going to lie to you. It, 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 it made me shed a tear when I saw him finally shed a tear. When he wept over Lazarus. When I saw him being rejected by family, oh, I just, I, I said, wow, I, we're, I'm not alone. We're, we're not alone. He has, he has felt this. When he had those trying to persecute him, trying to catch him in his words. I'm so thankful that God is relatable in the New Testament. Come on, aren't you thankful? Somebody just clap your hands and just thank God for that. So he could not relate and he could not understand their pain in the Old Testament. That's why he became flesh because he wanted to be touched with the feelings of our infirmities and with everything that you have endured and felt in your life, Jesus felt in his 33-year earthly body. And he overcame it. Everything you're dealing with, he overcame it. And because he overcame it, now I can put my trust in him so I can overcome it as well. That's why he went through it. But what makes me
nervous about the text that I read to you. So I see a principle here that helps me to glimpse into God's heart. And this is what I want to convey to you today. Because Jesus showed himself to the disciples, but somehow, you know, Thomas showed up late to the prayer meeting. And then when Thomas showed up, Jesus was gone. And they said, man, we saw him, man. It was awesome. And he said, what happened, man? I'm guessing he said it like that. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they had their own, like, brother code. Like, what, what happened, disciple? I'm kidding. Okay, I'm kidding. What up, D? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> Y'all can laugh. Just go ahead. Somebody's holding in their laugh right now. <laughs> and he said, Thomas says, that you said you saw him, right? And they said, yes. And he said, listen, except I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. He said, I, I will not believe in his resurrection until I see a scar somewhere. Because that resurrection, I don't understand that language. I only understand scar language. Somebody that has been through something. He said, I will not believe. Finally, after eight days, Jesus comes and he says, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. With all the power of God that Jesus had, and, and this is where I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I, this is where I, want, I wanted to get here, because we, we, got some, we got some thinking to do on this text, because I want you to think with me. Jesus healed so, thousands of people in his ministry. He healed thousands of people in his ministry. And, and at one point, there was a leper, and these lepers, they had so many scars on them. So many wounds, so many things on and and, and these lepers had so many things, and God would heal them and, and cleanse them first. And then one of them came back and worshipped him for cleansing him, and the Bible says that that leper was made whole. This leper was made whole, here it is. With no remnant of scars. God did such a work with him that he healed them and took care of the scars. Yet, when Jesus resurrects with all of that power, he said, hey, I'm resurrected, but make sure you leave the scars behind.
I'm resurrected. But don't leave the language of relatability. Are you okay? Give me my life back, but just don't take my scar away. Went, got the keys to death, hell, and the grave with scars. He could have came back after he resurrected. He didn't have to have scars in his hand. He didn't have to have scars in his feet. He didn't have to have a scar on his side. He didn't have to have that. Why would you leave that? Because it was that portion which was the relatability. It was the language of relatability. Yes, I'm resurrected, but I'm still scarred. And my scars doesn't mean I'm weak. It means in every scar, there's a story. It means whatever came against me didn't kill me. It means I learned to heal no matter how deep the cut was, no matter how deep they pierced me, no matter how deep it hurt, the scar tells its own story that what what I went through didn't destroy me, but I was able to heal even if an impossible situation. He wanted to leave the scars behind. Give me my life, but leave the scars behind. Give me my body, but leave the scars behind. I'll resurrect out the tomb, but just don't take the scar away. And anybody would would love to pray. I've got scars on my body from different surgeries that I've went through. Anybody, I've got got an ugly scar on the side of my leg after after tearing my, my uh, my lateral ligament in basketball. I still got scars. And anybody in humanity would love to say God take the scar away but God said no you don't understand I, I want to make sure I keep the print in my in my hands I want to make sure I keep the wound in my side so you never forget what I did for you and you never forget how much I loved you and you never forget what I went through so you can have life and life more abundantly And I see in these scars, I see every scar shows a place of vulnerability. In these scars, I, I see a vulnerability in God. Because with these scars and what, what he went through in his humanity, it shows me that that God is capable of feeling and that God is capable of being hurt. I never, we never really explore this even today because we think that, that him on the cross, that that's the last time he felt pain. Hmm. We think on the cross and in that 33 and a half years that, that that's the last time we saw God being abused. But He may not be whipped with physical whips, but he is still being whipped with spiritual whips. Whips of rejection. And what made me explore this and and literally make me 
weep as I considered it. Was what it says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse, verse 1. I'm going to read a few scriptures. Wave a hand if I'm helping somebody here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to dig here today. I'm going to dig here today. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Look what it says. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, I, I, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened to have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance seeing they crucify to themselves the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame What the writer of Hebrews is saying that whenever we reject him and say, I don't want him, he said, it's as if God is being crucified again. That's what the Greek word is. It literally means to re-crucify, to crucify over again. That when we don't let him into our lives, into our hearts, into the very fibers of our being. The scars start talking. After all that I went through for you, you're going to let me feel this again? Said we, we put him to an open shame. That as if what he did on the cross was just a waste of time. That, 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 that doesn't mean anything to us. That, that it doesn't mean what it once did to us when we don't open up that reservoir in our heart. And when we don't open that up, the scars start talking and saying why won't you let me come in and I can feel the pain and the heartbeat of God here today that says please don't cast me out of your life forever please I've already been through the cross one time but every time a daughter refuses to talk to me every time there's a son that refuses to spend time with me every time there is a child of mine that doesn't want anything to do with the heavenly father it's as if I'm getting whipped all over again it's as if they're putting the nails in my hand all over again it's as if I'm wincing in pain and when he was on that cross he died not just from not being able to breathe because of the pressure of going up and down, up and down, up and down. They said that the heart, because of the convulsions, the heart would burst on the cross. He died of a broken heart. And every time you and I say, God, I don't want anything to do with you. I'm done with this walk with you. I'm done spending time with you. I'm done. All of a sudden, the heart of God, it breaks all over again. And I hear the language of scars. And I hear the sound of God's pain today. I'm so thankful that he heard my pain. But today I've come to stand in the gap on behalf of God to say I hear God's pain. And I've come to preach to every daughter and every child of God in this place today to tell you that God wants a relationship with you. And he doesn't want you to keep on pushing his hand away when he's trying to heal. 
I've, I've come. I have stood for, for the last year and a half. I have stood for this church and I have pleaded to God on behalf of you. I've been praying for you and your family. I've been praying for what's going on in your marriage. I've been praying for what's going on in every, in your workplace. I've been praying and praying for you. But God began to speak to me. He said, now, I know that you have pled the people's case to me. Now I'm asking you to plead my case to them. Now I'm asking for you to plead on behalf of me. Now I'm asking for you to show them my heart. Show them my scars. That every time they don't want to spend time with me, it's like a death blow to me all over again. And tell them all that I want is another opportunity of relationship. Oh, come on. Somebody just worship him for a moment. Somebody just talk to him for a moment. Come on. Somebody talk to him for a moment. There is something. You see, we believe God. We know God to be all powerful and he is so amazing. So we feel like he doesn't have feelings anymore. I'm going to preach right now. We know that God's a healer and God does all of this and we don't think that he has feelings anymore. We don't think that he feels a certain type of way whenever we say, God, I don't want you today. We don't think that he doesn't feel a certain type of way when he sees you in on the path of sin and you are destroyed destroying your soul and he wants to spend eternal life and everlasting life with you but when he sees his daughter choosing to run away from his presence instead of running to him he doesn't just he doesn't want to judge you no no it breaks his heart no and I've come to preach on behalf of God's scars to, to, to preach a conviction into you to tell you that God is not done with you and he wants a relationship with you over anything else and yes he's going to bless you but more than him wanting to bless you he wants to spend time with you I hear the scars speaking today I'm preaching on behalf of the nail scarred hands because we have run from him we run from his presence we run from him we run because he came unto his own and his own received him not when you look all throughout the scriptures you see in the New Testament the emotion of God and he talks about the prodigal son whenever he left the father's house and how broken the father's heart was that the prodigal left but when he left the Bible says that that father would be out on his porch every day waiting for his son to come back <laughs> he'd be out on the porch every day waiting for the son to come back into proper relationship and the bible says that that son whenever he finally began to make his way back that while he was a great while off while he was still afar off from the father's presence the bible says that the father stepped off of the porch and ran to his son my god that is the heartbeat of god hey you can, i don't care how far you are from god today when you make a decision i'm coming back hey he's gonna meet you the rest of the way and he's gonna bring you back into his presence oh 
is going to bring you back into his, his presence. And in this custom, it was illegal. It was prohibited for a, an elder to run. They did not allow the elders to run because they felt like if the elder ran, he would be dehumanizing himself as if he had no dignity. And because of the elder's holiness, there were laws, Judaism laws, that would say no elder could run because when they would run, sometimes the robe would begin to expose some of the thigh. I'm going to preach right now. And they wanted the elders to preserve their dignity and their holiness and their honor. But what this elder did, what this daddy did when he saw his boy coming back to him, he said, I don't care what society thinks about me. I'm going to run where he is. And I'm willing to put aside everything else to come and see a child. that wants to go back to dad's house that wants to go back to dad's house that's what he went through that's what he went through he went through it for relationship we put we put a lot of emphasis on the on the cross and 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 i've preached it and we talk about it and we should but you have to understand you have a part to play that all of our sins is what made those nails go in his hands we put them there. Come on, somebody. It was more than a historical moment. It was an eternal moment. We put him there. And when we put him there because of our sins, think about any sin you've ever committed in your life. Every sin, he paid the price. He thought of each and every one of us on that cross. And when we decide and say, God, I'm done with you. God, I'm not going to pray to you. God, I'm not going to talk to you. God, I want nothing to do with you. God, I want to do things my own way. All of a sudden, it's, all, it's like a rewind. It's like we put him back and we see his nails getting, his hands getting pierced again with nails. But I'm so thankful for those three nails. You see, normally when, when you knit or when you make a tapestry, all you need is one nail. He made a tapestry of redemption and restoration with three nails. God began to knit a recovery in your life. Come on, somebody. God began to knit something beautiful. I'm come to preach on behalf of his scars. We, we talk about, I've told God, I said, God, the, my, our people, they've been through too much, oh God, for, 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 to, for them to settle for less. And I heard the Holy Ghost speak back to me at 2 o'clock this morning. He said, now you, you've pled to me their case, now tell them my case. Tell them I've been through too much for them to expect less from them. He's been through too much for me to just talk to him on Sunday. He's been through too much for me to just talk to him on Wednesday. He's been through too much for me to just play around with his presence. Come on, somebody. He loves you unconditionally. And if God gave us his all, how much more should we give him our all? I've not come to play games today. I've not come to play games in church. I've not come to play around. No, in him I live. In him I breathe. In him I have my being. In him I live and move and have my being. Hallelujah. 
They speak his own language. If you don't hear God's voice, look at his scars. If you can't hear his voice, just think of his scars. And the scars will start talking back to you. Those scars and his hands, those print in his hands. It's, it, it, you're supposed to be in his arms. That's why he did it. As a matter of fact, as those scientists and doctors have researched the crucifixion, they said whenever they put those, those nails in both of his hands, they said that what would happen over time is that the hands would begin to just start closing. The loss of blood. No one can pluck you from his hands. On that cross, he put a death grip on your life. And he said, I love you and you're mine forever. He said, everything about you belongs to me. But what he did on that cross... It was to make sure no enemy could ever pluck you out of his hands. No emotion, no sickness, no anxiety, no fear. What can separate us from the love of God? Not death, not life. Come on. There is no height, no breath, nor width that can separate us from his love. But I see the vulnerability here. Because he does everything it takes to save Thomas. And Thomas still doesn't believe. He said, listen, if you can't believe me in all of my power, can you take a look at my scars? See, before he died, he said, if you don't believe me, believe me for the work's sakes. Now, he says, if you don't believe me, believe me for the scars' sake. And the Bible would say in, in verse, in verse 30, and many other signs. Everyone say other signs. The scar was a sign. I said the scar was a sign. It says, and many other signs, truly Jesus Truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in this book. But he was saying that these scars was a sign to provoke belief. And when Thomas saw the scars, he said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. He said, these things were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. I, you have to understand the vulnerability of God. That, that you, you saw glimpses of it whenever he was walking with the disciples. And he, he gives the, the, the 5,000 bread, loaves, of, loaves and fishes. But listen, when he does this, he begins to preach that he is the bread that came down from heaven. 
that he is the manna. And the Bible says that they, the people felt like it was a hard doctrine and people started running, walking away from him. And Jesus says, I hear this car speaking when he says, he says, will you also go away? Will you also go away? See, he didn't just endure that in his body. He still endures it in his spirit. Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, speaking to the church of Laodicea. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Look what he says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Do you hear the scars speaking? It says, I used to have open access into your home. Come on, come on. You and I used to be close. We used to spend time. We used to fellowship. Now, after years have gone by, after trials, after failures, after failed relationships, after abuse, after suffering, after trauma, now I'm not even in the house anymore. Now I'm outside the house and I'm knocking and you're pretending you don't hear me. The nailed scar's hand's knocking. Can you please let me in? I, I, I didn't hurt you. The people that hurt you, they are not me. So he says, so stop hurting me because people hurt you. Oh, I hear God speaking. He said, please stop hurting me because people hurt you. And now because people hurt you, God's knocking. Can I please come in? I used to sit at that table. You and I used to talk. You used to tell me how much you loved me. You used to tell me how much you cared about me. You used to tell me you'd serve me forever. You used to tell me that I was the best thing that ever happened to you. How did I get outside the door? Where it's like you pretend you don't know me. And it's like you drowned out my voice with the things of this world, with the news, with entertainment, with life, with problems, with all these things. You have drowned out my voice with all of these things. You pretend you can't hear me. And when I feel like convicting you, you turn the TV up a little bit louder. When I start convicting you, you turn the problems up a little bit louder. So you can't even hear my knock anymore. You have turned so many things up. You can't even hear me trying to enter in, trying to come in and I am a gentleman I will never barge into your life I am a gentleman I will never break down the door I'll break down the doors of sin I'll break down the doors of hell I'll break down the doors of demons but I will not break down the door into your heart that's, that's one door I'm not going to break down because I don't want to break your heart. But you let others come in and break it.
And you're scared to let me in for fear that I will break it. But I will knock softly and I will whisper quietly until you hear me again and you come back into a proper relationship with me. Come on, somebody lift up your hands right now and cry out to God. Come on, lift up your hands and cry out to God right now. God, I'm hungry for you. God, I love you. God, I need you. God, I worship you. God, I need your presence. I need your touch. I can't do it without you. I don't, I don't want to be distant from you anymore. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be distant from you anymore, God. I hear your scars speaking, telling me to pray to you again, telling me that you love me, telling me that you have a plan for me, telling me, oh God, that you, you have something special for my life and for my family. Tune my ears again to the scars. I have, I have, I have wept. I have, I have wept over you. I have wept over you. I have, I have, I have wept over you. I have wept over you. I have wept over your your family. I have, I have wept over your situation. I have wept over your marriage. I have wept over your kids. I have prayed for you. And, and, and I, no matter if this is your first time visiting, let me tell you, I prayed for you this morning. I prayed for you at two o'clock this morning. I, I begin to speak over your life and over your situations and I, and, and, and I, I'm planning on, on, on meeting everybody here. Understand my heart. I love e- each of you. I love each of you. I love each of you. But let me tell you, I do have a relationship with God and I hear God has been speaking to me this morning saying for the last year and a half you pled on behalf of the people. And he, he said, I'm asking today, can you speak something on behalf of my scar and tell them that I miss I miss the time that we used to spend together. Tell them that I missed when they used to say how much they love me. That I missed whenever they would just be in my presence and talk to me. Can you speak on behalf of the scars and tell them that I'm still waiting at the door for them to open it up again and allow me to come in. They used to let me minister in, in their relationships. Now they don't talk to me about it anymore. They used to talk to me about their workplace and their job and the opportunities, but they don't talk to me about it anymore. They used to talk to me about their future, but now they blame me for their past. I'm going to preach to somebody here that God is still reaching out with his nail-scarred hands and saying, let me come in. There is no joy like a father and a a son and a father and a daughter being restored, coming back into a relationship after being distant. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you God's petition. I'm telling you God's petition. He said, you know what would really make me happy? Is if my daughter ran to me again. He said, you know what would really make me happy? 
as if my son, instead of coming into my house just with all of his problems and all of his day and all of what he'd been through and all the stuff he blames me for, I would just love him. My son would just come into my house and say, Daddy. <laughs> Daddy, I missed you. Thank you for your sacrifice, Dad. I wouldn't be here. My family wouldn't be here, Dad, if you didn't pay that price. Thank you for making a way for us, Dad. I wouldn't be healed today if you didn't pay that price. And he's not speaking today from a place of condemnation or guilt. He's speaking from a place of love. I hear God speaking, saying, tell them I miss them. And when they don't want to talk to me, it feels like I'm on the cross all over again. Can you just lift up your hands and tell them you love them? That's it. Just tell him you love him. Just tell him you love him. Just tell him you love him. Come on, that's it. Everybody stand on your feet and just lift up your hands and tell him you love him. Oh, I feel his presence. That's it. Just lift up those hands from the front to the back and just tell him you love him. The scars are speaking right now. This is the language of scars right now. God's been standing at the door and knocking. God's been standing at the door and knocking. Oh, Jesus. Thank you for your love, God. Thank you for your people, God. Thank you for their hunger, God. Thank you for their sincerity. We're seeking after you today. Musicians can come. I feel his spirit drawing on somebody right now. So some of you need to just step out of your seat right now and come find a place to pray. Come find a place to rekindle that relationship. He loves you. He's not here to harm you. He's not here to hurt you. He's not going to take advantage of you. He's not going to abuse you. He's not going to try to harm you. He just wants to spend time with his daughter today. He just wants to spend time with his child today. And if you could just, do you hear the scars talking? Dad, I love you, Dad. I don't want you to have to deal with that pain anymore. I don't want you to have to feel that pain anymore. More, dad dad i'm coming into your presence that's it you can find a place to pray find a place to kneel find a place to be in his presence hallelujah god i love you god your people love you we're sorry for blaming you oh lord for everything that we've been through
I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. God, I'm sorry that my, my pain has made me a bit distant from you. I'm sorry that the trauma that I've endured has made me a bit distant from you but I hear you knocking again I hear you knocking again and no matter how unworthy I feel you're still knocking no matter how much of a failure I feel you're still knocking saying child I love you I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, daughter. Daughter, I love you. You you were a victim. You didn't deserve what happened to you. But daughter, I'm just asking you on behalf of the scars, don't blame me. I'm the one trying to heal you. Son, that trauma you endured, you were a victim. That was not supposed to happen to you. But son, don't blame dad. Don't blame me. Because I'm the one that's trying to heal you. I feel the nail-scarred hands of God reaching into this audience. I feel his love reaching into this place. It's it's easy to become distant to him after we've been hurt. God has given you a glimpse into his heartbeat. And God is speaking to every person here saying, I miss you. I miss you. Come on, that's it. There's more people. I want you to more people in the pews I want you to come find a place to pray I want you to come find a place to kneel you can sit on some of these front places but we're going after him together I hear the scars speaking right now don't don't deny me please I'm begging you don't deny me Don't run from me. It breaks my heart. Because I love you. I love you. I love you. And nothing you've been through can stop me from loving you. No mistake you've made can stop me from loving you. No attitude you've had against me 
can stop me from loving you. Hear the scars speak. I love you. But God, look what I did. I know I love you. But God, you heard what I said. I know I love you. But God, you know how long I've been away from you. I know and I still love you. God, I even tried to hurt you. I know, but I still love you. I still love you. I still love you. Hear the scars speak. Come on, that's it. I, I want you to pray with somebody nearby you right now. Come on, I want you to pray with somebody nearby you right now. From the front to the back. In the pews, everybody. I don't want you to be by yourself right now. I want you to join with somebody. You need to feel the love of God right now. You need to feel the love of God right now. You need to feel the love of God right now. You need to feel those nail-scarred hands on your heart right now. He's still knocking. He's still knocking. He's still knocking. He's still knocking. And all he's saying is, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I'll love you forever. I'll love you forever. I'll love you forever. I'll love you forever. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson, or you can come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.